And if you're an avid wine drinker, then this episode is for you. We're excited to have Charles Springfield, a certified sommelier, as a guest. He's speaking on the nuances of rosé and a totally new and exciting way of drinking it. Stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Say What Comes Naturally with Sacred Chef and my co-host, Sacred Queen. On today's show, we have an amazing guest, certified sommelier. And if you don't know what a certified sommelier is, it's somebody who is well-versed in uh, wines. Sometimes you may see them at a restaurant, a fine dining restaurant, and they'll be able to pair certain dishes with different wines. But beyond that, it goes further um, within the, the love of wine. So today we have a guest, Charles Springfield. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Yeah, my pleasure. So how did you get into the wine world? The wine world. <clears throat> so I have to uh, give thanks to my, my grandmother, who influenced my mother, okay. and uh, my aunt, um, because they introduced me to wine at a very, very young age. Yeah. I'm probably too young uh, <laughs> to say uh, on a recorded device, but uh, very young. So it's always been a part of my life. All um, right. And so it wasn't uh, taboo to have wine or cocktails or beer as I was growing up, uh, like some families. Yeah. So it was always like a big part of uh, festivities and celebrations and things like that. And so I, I loved it so much. I always loved it. But I never thought I would go into uh, the business professionally. Okay. I always thought uh, I played around a couple of different uh, things, like being an artist, uh, being a... Um, I worked in advertising. I, yeah. I went into journalism for a while. Um, so I always wanted to do a more professional route, and I didn't really know of any professional drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I never, that, didn't, that wasn't part of my, um, my concept. But it wasn't until I moved to New York, and then I started to, uh, I started to create a small lifestyle marketing company uh, okay. called The Lifestyle Things of uh, Charles Springfield. And then that really kind of revolved about, around my PR and journalism work. I had small clients, um, media kits and trade shows and yeah. things like that. Um, bios, and then I started working. I used to work on. A, I used to live on the Upper West Side, and then so there's a little wine shop there. That's no, long, yeah. no longer there anymore. But um, I started working there part time on the weekends, like a couple of days a week. And then they had an education series um, uh-huh. on Monday nights, so we had a chance to kind of take classes. Okay. And then although I love wine, I grew up with wine. I never really. I thought I knew a lot about wine until I started working into the business, <laughs> and then saw how vast it is. It's so fascinating because. Um, it's like this whole mix of art and science, but also history and culture. Yeah. And then all these different things have been passed down. And then, it, as anything else, it kind of molds and, and evolves over the time. Yeah. So it's something really fascinating. And so, um, after working in journalism and after working in PR, there was kind of, um, I guess, like a ceiling in a sense that I had to I wanted to do something different. Yeah. But I thought when I got into the wine business, it's so fascinating that this would probably um, <laughs> intrigue me for the rest of my life, and I probably yeah. probably retire from this kind of industry. That's amazing because. Working in an industry where you love doing what you do, especially wine, there's so many different nuances of grape varieties that you learn about. And it's like a never-ending learning process. And that's a beautiful thing, you know, about wine. Um, So what type of wines do you think would be uh, great to have around this time? Yeah, a lot of people, when it comes to wines, a lot of people are seasonal. Um, I'm kind of like that. I also work as a wine educator, so I have to drink pretty much everything all year round. Um, but Great. I do, yeah, yeah <laughs> bad job to have, right? Um, but um, when it comes to seasonal things, we start to kick up um, like white wine classes, more more sparkling wine classes, and of course rosé classes. And so um, the consumer behavior for rosés in the U.S., especially in New York, uh, really kind of starts 
around springtime, even though like okay. in New York it, can, it rains and it's kind of cloudy sometimes, but sometimes, yeah. sometimes we get those really nice days. But it really starts around that time, and yeah. then it kind of tails off around um, after Labor Day. Okay. So we have this kind of window of opportunity yeah. during those days. But I've noticed um, since I worked in the wine business for about the last seven years in New York, there's a big increase over the years of popularity when it comes to rosés. And a lot of my students ask me why I think that is. And I think what it is, I think when people get more exposed to rosés from yeah. around the world or globally, they get to understand how they kind of resemble traditional wines that they're used to drinking and they actually love. Because I think in the U.S., what we have is this uh, U.S. or American creation called Blush Wines, yeah. which kind of create, uh, started from uh, California um, in the 70s, more, more focused on... Um, the Zinfandel grape, and they make white yeah. Zinfandel, and nothing yeah. against white Zinfandel. I love white Zinfandel. But <laughs> it gets a bad rap. Yeah, Zinfandel it does get a bad rap. But especially back then, the way it was created, it was created to be uh, to made to be semi sweet. Okay. And so, what we kind of call that uh, in the wine world is wine with training wheels. So, <laughs> as you as you think about our culture, if you grew up in the U.S., you probably start drinking like sodas and um, and uh, juices as yeah. children. So we develop kind of a sweet palate. Okay. So when we get into wine, we start to want, uh, it's more approachable to have something a little bit sweeter, okay. and then we kind of build a palate to something a little bit drier. Okay. And so I think that's why, and then when people think about sweet wines, um, on a converse, they have a negative connotation with that. They think they're kind of inferior wines, yeah. but some of our um, the most high-quality wines around the world are sweet, uh, like really? sauternes and things like that. Okay. So sweet wines have its place, but uh, they get a negative stereotype in the U.S., um, but when they when people get exposed to drier rosés, um, I think they really start to fall in love with them. And because they're refreshing, they're very versatile. Yeah. And then they span the gamut in color, too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we drink with our eyes, like we eat with our eyes. Yeah. And so they see the pretty colors of the rosés, from the very pale pink to the deep salmon, um, like raw salmon, or, or even raw tuna in color. Wow. Uh, they can okay. be very, very interesting. Um, one thing I do notice, too, there's a stereotype when it comes to the color of rosés. Um, when people see a darker rosé, they automatically assume that's going to be a sweeter rosé. And so uh, the color of this rosé doesn't have anything to do with the sugar content. What happens when winemakers uh, make a rosé, they, they take red skin grapes and they press and crush them. But when they press and crush them, they have the opportunity to leave the skins with the juice for about two hours or 12 hours. Okay. So if you leave the juice and the skins with, t t together for two hours, then you have a very pale bleed. So very, very pink. I mean, yeah. like, like very pale pink. Uh, the kind of the kind of style you get from the Cote de Provence, outside the France okay. uh, rosés, and then sometimes if you think about Spanish rosés, and some some rosés that are making in California, they're deeper in color, like I yeah. talked about the, the raw salmon or even tuna in color, and so those have skin contact for about twelve hours, so a deeper extraction of color, um, yeah. so it's a little bit deeper, richer in texture, and maybe a little more flavorful, yeah. but but not the sweetness level. They can make it sweeter if they want to, but that has nothing to do with the sweetness level. Wow, that's. Amazing. I'm saying just hearing that within the nutshell of five minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's so I'm fast. Flabbergasted. I'm sorry. No, it's fast and exciting. And a lot of people, um, that's why I love doing um, wine education in the city. I've been doing that for yeah. like the last five years. And so it's always these aha moments. And like it could be those little nuggets that you drop. And people are like, wow, I never knew that. Or like, yeah. I've maybe heard that before. Or maybe you turn it on, a, on its ear and you get a different perspective or see it from a different way. Yeah. And so um, even speaking of that, um, I wanted you to try something interesting that, oh, wow. okay. that um, I was gifted. Um, it's a new product that kind of hit the market. So nice. I talked about a little bit of the Cote de Provence rosés. Yeah. So rosés are very, very popular in the south of France. Uh, of yeah. course, you think about the Mediterranean, really nice weather. 
Uh, anything about uh, yachts? If you have friends who have a yacht, or you have a yacht yourself, <laughs> not yet. It's <laughs> yeah, coming. We're working on it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, when Oprah returns our phone calls, um, but um, so a lot of celebration, a lot of warm weather. But um, so rosés are very pale pink. Yeah. But they have a over the last couple of years they started doing experimenting with rosés because of course you think it's really hot and you're outside for a long time. So they would take a rosé, a dry rosé, okay. Cote de Provence rosé, and then some people would add actually grapefruit juice to it. Oh, and kind nice. of sweeten it up a little bit, and then uh, and then put it on the ice, and so ah. that's been a kind of a trend. Um, and you start to see these slowly hit the market in New York City over the last year, and you start wow. to see them a little bit more. There's a couple that I've seen um, in the stores uh, in the city, but there's a new product um, called Rose Piscine. Okay. And so this is actually a product um, that Blake uh, help uh, help me. Um, he's a managing part of uh, Rose Piscine. <clears throat> he gave me this on a Rose cruise. I did a Rose cruise oh, nice. a few weeks ago. And then so he was like trying to promote it. As you see, it's like really beachy. It looks like a yeah, it's umbrella beautiful, yeah. Uh, that you put on the beach. Reminds me of a zebra, but <laughs> you know, with blue and white. <laughs> yeah. And so rosé is a of course rosé and piscine uh, in French on français. Uh, it's like a pool. Yeah. And so a lot of people enjoy this by the pool, pool. or by the beach. So that's why the white and blue. I get yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a it kind of mimics when they see their packaging. They do like uh, umbrellas, like um, beach umbrellas, like this. Yeah. And then they have store displays, but it's kind of new to the market. But this is actually made to be um, one of the uh, managing partners. They went down to, uh, I believe it was Saint Tropez, um, south of France, and then they saw all these people wearing rosés and like a cognac glass, oh, um, nice. and then uh, putting ice in it. And so because it's really warm and they wanted something yeah. refreshing, and so the guy ordered it and then he tried it. But after a while, um, in a traditional rosé, it doesn't have a lot of sugar to it. It got really watered down. And yeah. so he's like, I like the concept. Uh, I don't want to play around with it. So they, what they did, they make a, a rosé on the sweeter side. And then, so that's meant to be put on ice. Ice. So as you yes, as the okay. ice melts, um, it's not so, so sugary, sweet. but it's still a little yeah. bit refreshing. So I poured you some. Um, oh, great. Take a little um, sip. It's incredible. Yeah, it's I nice. taste the grapefruit. Yeah, I taste the grapefruit. That's that's <clears throat> wow. So refreshing. It's still dry. Yeah. Um, it would have been a little bit sweeter if I if I didn't put the ice cube in there first. Yeah, but as it um, as the ice cube melts, and I put a really big ice cube in there too because we're gonna yeah. be talking for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have plenty of wine to drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, as it as it um, it gets really nice and refreshing, so really nice way to enjoy wine rosé in a different way. Um, normally, I won't encourage people to put ice cubes in their yeah. wine because it does water down the wine. Yeah. But if you have something with a little bit more residual sugar, um, you can do that. And then also, um, even though I'm sommelier. Um, I, I'm very open-minded when it comes to wine consumption. Yeah. I think whatever makes you happy, um, you should do it. So if you do like to put um, ice in your wine, that's great. I would suggest if you don't want, if you want a really cold wine and don't want to water down the wine, I would just kind of freeze uh, like some grapes and put them in a bag. Yeah. Just put the frozen grapes in your wine to kind of chill it off if, yeah. that, if that's the effect you want. Um, but you can play around with things too. Like we talked about the um, so, um, south of France, Provence people uh, mixing this with uh, grapefruit juice, yeah. or sometimes even like strawberry juice or, or um, um, cranberry juice. And then that kind of reminds you of things like a mimosa, um, but not really a mimosa. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like that. But also like the uh, the kind of uh, wine they consume like near Barcelona. In yeah. the Basque country, where they have like uh, red wine with Coca Cola or some kind of uh, cola. Oh, I never, uh, I never yeah. even knew that. <laughs> yeah, they do that and put it on ice, so it's really refreshing. Oh, it's nice. like a kind of beachy kind of thing. So, so very, yeah. very um, vacationy, very beachy, very summery and spring. Yeah. So that's um, very topical. What you want to talk about with rosé is very, very topical. These, wow. Yeah. So that's any other rosés that we should know about that's coming out this um, this season. Yeah, I, I would. There's 
so many different rosés. Like I mentioned, I think what I've noticed in the city that it's a lot of people getting more, more and more into rosés. But then um, it's a, it's really good, right? Yeah, it's, oh my yeah. god, it's like, and you don't taste the alcohol at all. It's yeah. kind of like it's low alcohol. Low. It's yeah. like eleven percent alcohol, um, so very light. It's easy to drink. Um, I think that what people were drinking this um, like uh, aperitif before dinner, and yeah. then sometimes with dinner, and then as a di- digestif after dinner. So yeah. you can drink it throughout, yeah. and that's why because it's little bit of sweetness. Uh, did a little um, cheese and chakuri, yeah. kind of like balance it off. Because if it is a little bit too sweet for people, you just want a little bit of salt or spice yes. or something to balance it off. Wow. Yeah, uh, but I think rosés from around the world are amazing. But what I've noticed, especially um, doing the rosé cruise, and I got to interact with the rosé producers and distributors from around the world, um, the packaging is changing a lot. Yeah. So we've already seen a lot of packaging change with white wines, red wines, like. Really beautiful bottles, and people really get into rosés, especially when it comes to entertaining. Uh, but they like the the shape of the bottles, the design of the bottles, which is really like almost like collector items in a sense. Yeah. But also the way the wine is now served in different uh, um, uh, methods, just like uh, rosé in a can. Oh wow. Rosé in um, box, like uh, I call it adult juice boxes. <laughs> um, tetra, the tetra packs. Um, that's also like if you do like they, there's one company that does if you do catering um, and work for the bigger um, party they do rosés in a cake. Rosé in a cake. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Just like a beer comes in a cake for parties, they wow. get rosé in a cake. Um, and then like little stackable um, individual size, uh, 187 milliliter. Um, like Sophia's, right? Um, yeah, but it comes in like a little like a, almost like a, a glass jar with oh, a little lid. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not the like Sophia Copa uh, cans. Um, but uh, yeah, in a little uh, glass jar that you stack. Yeah. And then it's like stackable enough to make one bottle and you can divide it up to whatever. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So um, on your days off, uh, what type of rosés would you like to drink in the summertime? Oh my God. So since I, I'm, I'm not a chef, but I'm a home cook, yeah. um, I love to cook. So when I do get an opportunity to cook, yeah. uh, which is kind of therapy for me, um, chopping and mixing yeah, and things yeah. like that, um, <laughs> it depends on what I, what I make. Um, yeah. So I just made uh, Friday nights. Well, last week I was actually gifted with um, like three pounds of shrimp. Oh, three nice. Three pounds of uh, crawfish tails. And so I, I decided to use that to make gumbo. So I made seafood gumbo on Friday night. But I also, I love crab in my gumbo. Yeah. So I, added, I went to go get uh, some crab, a whole yeah. crabs, and like, add, yeah. add them to the mixture. Um, so with that one, it's like we use a blonde roux, yeah. um, you know, half parts fat and half part um, flour. Uh, so it's a little bit thicker. So yeah. I want to do, like, if I do that with a rosé, I can do a, a sparkling rosé. It could yeah. be from Champagne. Um, it could be from Spain. It could be from Italy. Yeah. Um, or a thicker, like, more dense rosé um, that comes from, like, maybe Portugal or Spain. Because wow. the, the seafood gumbo with the okra and yeah. the uh, Holy Trinity um, and the, the um, other different seafood, um, it's kind of powerful. It's yeah. powerful. So I need something to stand up against that. So either something like sparkling wine to wipe away the flavors, yeah. or something rich and dense like a, um, a garnacha rosé from Spain or Chipneo, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow, guys, you have to understand, <laughs> Charles can cook. I remember one Thanksgiving, I really believe it was um, 2015. Oh yeah, a couple years. We had ago. a friendsgiving. <laughs> Your friendsgiving. We need to do that again. You made the stuffing and you made the cornbread and you made collard greens and. I swear, as a chef, it blew my mind. The flavor profile for each of them was incredible. Oh, so, thank you, yeah. Yeah, please. Um, you lived in New Orleans for how long? So, um, almost like, well, I lived in New Orleans for 
Um, I'm like literally living there for two years. Yeah. But I went. To, I was in college in Mississippi, so okay. Um, I went. I got a bachelor's and master's degree from there. So all my free time was spent in New Orleans. So wow. um, you can say a good part of ten years, and then even nice. after college, uh, when I worked in advertising and PR. Yeah. I had uh, landed an account to publicize uh, rebuilding efforts in New Orleans. Okay. So um, I was there like every two weeks yeah. for maybe like six months. Yeah. Um, going back and forth uh, to bring people back to New Orleans who got displaced from Hurricane Katrina. And yeah. then also like just um, getting them job training and placements and even um, publicizing new development of departments that were yeah. built for them. So yeah, a big, big part of my life for sure. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> so do you have any mentors or any um, people you look up to in the wine world that kind of like gear you towards where you see yourself? I, it's, it's funny, it's, I don't have, uh, I never, in all my uh, different uh, careers, I didn't have a, an actual mentor, like somebody yeah. who actually like took me, by, um, took me by the collar and said, here, do this, do that, or like <laughs> even give me advice. It would've been nice, yeah. but um, yeah. I guess uh, I had to kind of look externally to people that I maybe wanted to emulate in life, in a sense. Okay. Um, but I do have like an um, unofficial mentor uh, in the wine world. Um, well, I guess maybe two. Um, one person who inspired me um, a lot and taught me about wine when I first got into the business. Yeah. Uh, my friend Cynthia. Uh, she was very knowledgeable about wine so much, and just like the way she talked about wine, kind of inspiring uh, yeah. to hear and the, and have the knowledge. You know, it's yeah. kind of incredible. And then my unofficial one that I see uh, maybe once a year or every few years, uh, Dylan Proctor. Okay. Um, he was on, uh, a lot of people know him as uh, one of the Psalms in Psalm. Yeah, <laughs> one and two. <laughs> yeah, one and two. On Netflix. Then, check yeah. it out, check it out. It's really yeah. good. But he's, um, he's a really good guy, um, really stylish. And like, if there was somebody to kind of uh, set my career similar to, we're, we're kind of like in a way we love wine, of course. He's definitely... Uh, more advanced. He's an advanced yeah. sommelier and a quartermaster sommeliers. Um, yeah. But he's very stylish, and I just like his approach. And very he's, dapper. Yeah, yeah. I remember I met him. Yeah. Very, very cool guy. Um, so yeah, I definitely. Um, uh, we we keep in touch. We on Instagram and stuff from time to time. But uh, he's definitely somebody to aspire to as far as a career, in, in my in my opinion, for me. Yeah. Just have fun with wine, and okay. then um, summertime it kind of embodies fun in like a yeah. jovial kind of um, lively time period of the year. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't, it goes by too fast. Yeah. So I tell people to have fun with it. So when it comes to rosés, just have fun with it. Um, I actually do, like, we do a picnic class. I do um, a new picnic class for wine. And so yeah. I usually have um, a sparkling wine. So sometimes, like, if you have a picnic, uh, picnics to me, they embody, like, uh, you can even have, like, sandwiches, yeah. um, maybe charcuterie with cheese and things like that. Um, and, like, maybe, like, potato salads or coleslaws. Uh, really light dishes, but it kind of it's kind of fun to have that kind of stuff with um, maybe a rosé lambrusco. Wow! Um, so you get a little bit of a, like a dry lambrusco, but a rosé style. Yeah. Um, where you get a little bit of sweet and tart, some little nice strawberry notes like and cranberries. Yeah. yeah. So really, really interesting. It really works well with the cheese and charcuterie, and kind of brightens up anything that can be anything that can be heavy, like uh, potato salad, or yeah. even like um, uh, cold cuts on your sandwich. I think I've done this for the third time. Um, this was my third time this year. Yeah. Uh, La Nuit in Rosé. Okay. And so uh, we do, I do the trade cruise or the business cruise. So it's more um, business industry people in the wine world, yeah. um, buyers, um, people who, who own wine shops. Um, they, sh uh, we go, uh, it's like three level cruise around okay. Manhattan. Uh, we go to Statue of Liberty and things like that, Ellis Island. I like around there. 
But uh, in that two-hour span, we tried yeah. wines from all over, rosés from all over the world. Yeah. Um, so everything from cool rosés that come from California yeah. uh, to, of course, uh, interesting places like Corsica um, wow. uh, from France and then uh, the Canary Islands from uh, Spain. Also, um, really interesting packages. Okay. Really beautiful bottles. And people really get into rosés, especially when it comes to entertaining. Uh, but they like the, the shape of the bottles, the design of the bottles, which refreshing flavor going. And then we have this new thing in for Vuv, um called Vuv Riche. Okay, Vuv yeah. Riche. Okay. So it uh, has some interesting flavors, similar to the Moet Ice, um, but it's meant to be put on ice or even mixed with other things like juice yeah. and things like that. But it's a higher dosage, a little bit sweeter, um, but yeah, something to be really refreshing. And like I mentioned, something that is kind of been um, uh, inspired by young people, young generations. And so the millennials, the way they are drinking wine these days, kind of influence how a lot of winemakers are actually making wine yeah. or even packaging wine. Like I mentioned in, on the uh, Rosé Cruise, a lot of great bottles, a lot of uh, great uh, art that goes into it, yeah. even the shapes of it. Um, some of the like, fancy perfume bottles and just like collector items in, in, in a sense. Um, but yeah, the way uh, wine worlds kind of really, really got more serious in the 70s. Yeah. And so now those people who are drinking or making wine in the 70s um, are probably like a little bit, uh, maybe the baby boomer generation. And now um, you have the you know, Generation X, Generation Y, you know, all this kind yeah, of... Baby um, Echo, <coughs> and now they call it the Millennials. Yeah, so all these different generations, and now they're starting to drink wine, and the next generation after them, when they become 21, start drinking wine. Yeah. Uh, what are their habits? What are their lifestyle habits? What are their uh, food habits? What kind of consumption habits? They, they probably will start drinking wine and not think anything about having a screw cap for wine. Yeah. They'll probably think it's the norm, where some older people think it's like... Uh, Back in my day, Taxi. we had, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, corks. <laughs> right. And like, okay. And corks will always be around. They always have a place in the wine world. But um, sometimes the, they, the, the ones who are drinking wine for the first time at 21, or even younger if they start drinking in college before they graduate, <laughs> um, like wine from a can is not going to be crazy to them, or wine yeah. from a um, little Tetra box is not going to be, be the norm now. And do you think the old world winemakers are still using cork and they're not really getting used to the twist off and the new world are really kind of adjusting to the twist off because it's easier yeah. low overhead you know less labor um yeah it's interesting the cork and um the cork and the screw cap closures they cost about the same to produce yeah. the only thing about cork though you have to um, shave uh, the tr cork trees i mean cork trees from portugal so yeah. if you shave the trees, that's kind of digging into a forest. And so yeah. they have to, you have to use a, a renewal uh, resource in order to make the cork. Yeah. So a lot of people are opting to, opt to use uh, screw caps because it is a recyclable um, resource. Yeah. So you can repurpose it, you can recycle it, and things like that. You can repurpose cork, but you can't recycle it into another cork, cork stopper. Yeah. Um, but the new world is uh, definitely pushing that forward, especially like countries like uh, US, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. But the old world, definitely some some regions are catching on yeah. because like uh, I love Sancerre and the Sancerre like you mentioned a white wine um, a white Sancerre is really great for the summertime yeah. and alternative to Rosé even though they make Rosé Sancerre as well um, I've seen Rosés <clears throat> I'm sorry Sancerres can be about uh, 20 to 30 dollars or more per bottle yeah. um, retail but I've seen a lot of uh, Sancerres come with screw caps wow. and so people are like kind of freaked out by that but uh, rosé, I mean, Sancerre are meant to be very, very um, young and very fresh and bright. So uh, a screw cap keeps that uh, freshness and brightness. It's not going to be a wine you're going to keep for 10, 20, 30 years in yeah. the cellar. 
but you want <clears throat> something very young, lively, and fresh. Okay. So that's the reason why some old world uh, producers are actually going to work more towards using screw cap to kind of uh, keep the freshness and the brightness of those wines that actually require that, and then keep the cork for the wines that actually need to be aged a lot, a lot longer. Yeah. Adjusting with the times, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, for um, sure. Things are always changing, including the wine. So, mm -hmm. yeah, if you don't. You suffer from Yeah, you get left behind. <clears throat> I think we talked uh, offline about uh, eight tracks and cassettes and yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it's old cell phones. Well, eight tracks are before my time. I remember like <laughs> set tapes where you have to like pop it to actually <laughs> stop it from it. recording. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, that was my time and then it was kinda like the introduction to CDs and you yeah. remember those big laser CDs we had before this, um, actually DVDs? No, was no, no, um, no. Yeah, that was a, a, like in the early <coughs> late eighties. Yeah, so early nineties. Before they became yeah. compact discs, they were like larger laser discs. Yeah, wow. Almost like a record. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah, time changed, and the wine world is is the same. Um, so we like the way we get our music and the way we um, upload videos or yeah. pictures is all digital now, yeah. and on a cloud and whatever that means <laughs> you know um, so people have to kind of adjust to the times and adjust to change um, I mean it's just that's, that's the way of life yeah that, that is there's no other way yeah wow so um, let me ask you a question um, social media your social media handles um, where could people because you know I always have a lot of questions and I know a lot of people when they listen to this they may have some questions that they would like to ask you so where can we reach you on social media it's, uh, my website uh, which will be up uh, very shortly uh, the wine stylings okay. uh, you probably have a link to that on your yes. screen, um, so they can find it that way also my Instagram handle is the same okay uh, the wine stylings on Instagram okay uh, and that's a more um, immediate way to reach me um, you can do DM me or like yeah. uh, like I post pictures all the time in videos. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other cool, exciting um, uh, social media platforms I'm gonna be playing with very soon. Okay. So they can be, reach me that way. But uh, at the time being, the best way to reach me is uh, on Instagram. Okay, that's awesome. Um, what are the top three things that, when you think about Rosé, comes natural to you? Yeah, I think, uh, I think fun, I think friends, and I think food, when I think about Rosé. Okay, yeah. all right, good, man. Well, we thank you so much, Charles, for all your input, all your knowledge. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. And um, we hope to have you soon on the show again. Yeah, yeah. we have to do a cooking thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> cooking class, wine and food. Yes, yeah. yes. All right, so thank you, folks, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Auntie and Uncle's podcast. We thank you and we love you.